0: Sean Rahal, I we were talking off the offline that w- w- when I first saw your results, your name pop up in the results and box scores and stuff, it's one of those moments where I'm like, I've heard of this guy, but I couldn't put like two and two together. And then uh, curiosity got the better of me. I started Googling you, and I have to ask, how does someone that's an international road racing champion end up wanting to go sprint car racing? How did this happen?
1: I would say that's the perfect, um, you know, if you're a real racer, you want to race the rawest, most intense thing out there, and that's definitely sprint car racing, you know, and you look at those cars and 950 horsepower and 1,400 pounds, and you get a little bit excited, you know, like that's that's cool to me. You know, I came from a short track racing background in Georgia, and I always thought dirt late models were just a little too slow for my taste. So I've always had a thing for them.
0: When did you first get exposed to sprint car racing where you thought this might actually be a career path for you?
1: Uh, I was, was doing racing roundup in Milwaukee in 2016. And they touched on my... I was racing for Delta Wing M set, Road America. And uh, they touched on my short track background. And I was like, oh, I've always you know, wanted to try to drive a sprint car. And I think it was Scott Utech was there. And he's like, oh, Randy has a school. You should go drive one. So I went and drove one on the Wednesday. I said, hey, this is cool. I said, can I, you know, how much is it? And, you know, at the time I was making road course money. So it was like 800 bucks to rent a car or something. And he's like, but you get 125 back. if you." And I was like, wait, you get money back to run last in the B main? Hell yeah, I'm in. So we, I qualified the Delta wing at 445 and then had my buddy, Ramo Rashidi, um, drive me over in the rental car straight, like suit out of the Delta wing, straight over to Plymouth. And I race. I ran like dead last. I was scared out of my mind. I was like, Oh wow. It's a lot different with cars out here. And then after that, um, I, I retired from the sports car stuff cause politics and everything else. And, you know, I was still I was done, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. I even was like, you know, looking at dirt bikes, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just take a dirt, you know, I was working for my dad, so I was like, maybe I'll just take a dirt bike and start going to tracks on the weekend, you know, not to race, but just for the thrill. And then TJ Michael, who I actually helped a lot in his um, development when he was in Legend Cars, we we're good family friends. He called me about running one. The deal kind of didn't work out. And uh, I called Randy and said, hey, Randy, I got this much money um, through Sig hour that year. And I was like, let's, let's do as many races as we can, you know, and just went up there and looked at it for, you know, just to do it for fun again, you know, kind of no pressure, you know, no results were pending on anything. I knew it was new. And the first thing that like, you know, it, it, I was a natural at everything else. Like I would jump in like Indy lights. I never tested the car and the second weekend I won and my first, pro race and a prototype we ran second at petite Mans. so i was always a natural and then this was the first thing that i had to like i just wasn't good at naturally off the bat you know and i'm getting better but it's the first time i've had to work as a racer and actually learn things and How- fine-tune my driving and build it How- which to yeah. me oh, after everything i've done is pretty cool there's like a huge respect factor for that you know, and I and I love the fact that I'm having to learn again, and I know I will be good at some point. But uh, you know, these guys have 15 years on me, some of the some of the good guys, so uh, I got to work harder.
0: Well, the good news is you're still in your 20s, so it's not like you know you're you're way behind the curve. But you know, I was going to ask for someone that has had things come so naturally it wasn't frustrating at all at the end of the night or anything or there ever moments like that because everything had come so natural to you that uh when you're running into the b main with ira it's kind of like whoa wait a minute how come this isn't clicking
1: uh i tell you what it's um it's more so frustration of wanting success earlier like me and randy randy wants it as bad as i do for me because he knows how committed I am and knows what I'm going to be capable of. So it's one of those situations where like, yeah, there's moments where we're frustrated and we're, you know, emotions are raised at the end of the night. But then it's like, when we sit down and think about, we're like, wow, you only got 20 races in a 410, and you're, you know, you just were battling with Snyderman and you hit a barrel and broke the front shock off and still ran second. Like, <laughs> second and a B mate, you know. Like, there's definitely been those nights and there's those, those nights where I was lost. I think at the beginning of this year, you know, a little bit, and just was getting to the point of, you know, it, driving the car hard enough. In the four ten is everything, and then once you get to the point of driving it hard, then how you attack the cushion, then how you run the bottom, then how you set the car up is completely different. So. You just got to take it with salt, you know, and and enjoy the process.
0: Is there anything at all that transfers between your previous racing experience and road racing or anything else to what you're doing now?
1: Um, Not at all. Nothing. uh, The only thing that um, Randy said he wishes is that I had never raced a car before coming to him because it would have been easier to get me up to speed.
0: Gotcha. Too many (laughs) bad habits or what is it?
1: It, it everything's backwards like you you got to think about it like you're hitting your apex you're, you're like you hit your apex with your left front if you're turning left in that and a road course car an asphalt car and in, the, in these cars you're hitting the apex with the right rear fundamentally that's different um you do your speed adjustment before the corner in a in a road course car an asphalt car and here you do it in the middle of the corner you know, cause you still got to drive it in on the right rear. So fundamentally everything's different. And I was so busy doing all the asphalt stuff that like, there's a huge disadvantage when you haven't like grown up on dirt tracks, you know, like me and Tyler Courtney were talking about it one time. I was like, yeah, you, the difference is like you grew up still going to dirt tracks and watching this and understanding, this. you know, like I've been to one sprint car race before I did it in person and watched one dirt late model race in my entire life before I actually raced on dirt. So wow. it, it, it's, it's so completely different. I think, you know, like even how you set up the car, I don't get me wrong. If you put a stiffer right rear bar and right, and you stiffen up that tire, it's going to get looser. Like that's similar, but how you do it fundamentally. And then, and then also realizing how to deal with wing speed and how to deal with how the wing's actually designed when you're leaning on the arrow and you're kind of getting to the you know, to that point in qualifying. Um, how to lean on the side of the wing as well is, is something that's been very new. And I'm a pretty technical guy when it comes to all that stuff. So it's been a huge learning curve.
0: Of your fellow competitors, who's been the biggest help to you so far since you've made this transition?
1: Uh you know I honestly have been very lucky. I think a lot of these guys, like everyone's like, oh, you're going dirt racing. They're going to hate you. Well, I'm a pretty humble guy. Like I've been to the top. I've been like some of these guys that are winning all these dirt races in a different form of racing, in a different discipline. So I respect them. You know, like when I was at first, you know, getting lapped in a heat race, you know, I just went to the bottom and got out of their way. Right. So Brock, your has been a huge help. Um, Terry McCarl, the McCarls as a group have kind of reached out and we've kind of made some friendships there and, uh, and Hunter Schuenberg as well. Um, and it's just, you know, everyone's, everyone knows kind of what I've done. And when they saw me really, really struggling at the beginning, you know, they were all game to help me in any way possible. And, um, now it's, you know, the guys just respect, you know, it, it's all about like not getting frustrated and enjoying the process if you cannot get frustrated you can get there but at the moment you get frustrated and you think that giving us an option which is not in my blood then you're not going to go anywhere so uh i just take everything in and and um those guys have been you know like we're on an x1 race car plan with brock and And, um, you know, Noisy, his crew chief and Ty Wolfgang, you know, we work with them and Dave Reedy on the shocks. And then Hunter's more of, like, personal friend. And then Terry's more of just good jokes. He's a good time. I like talking to him and laughing with him.
0: Yeah. Finding people in this deal that are fun to be around isn't too hard. So it's the most still runs
1: pretty Yeah, easy. no, it's, it's, it's different. You know, you like you go to the road course track and, and you walk around and these guys got their, like, you know, not their chest boat out. Cause they don't got a chest cause they're all skinny little sticks, but like, you know, there's a, there's like a, you, they hold their head up. Right. Like, and, and there's a, like a arrogance, but like you don't want to be friends with that guy. And you know, like if you're racing the hell out of someone and, and they get you at the end of the night in dirt racing you just know you got to be better than him. You can't get mad that he's better than you. And, and it's a different concept. You know, you don't have balance of power and you don't have driver ratings and you don't have bullshit. You just, you know, you show up and you do your job and then you get beat, you work hard, you know, and these guys are all work on their own cars. You know, like I remember, like I went to the shop one time and started turning wrenches on my road course car. And, um, just cause I, I was bored and I was friends with all my mechanics, which was, um you know that was kind of a weird weird situation even road course because it's just where i came from you know i'm like yeah i want to go to dinner with the mechanics you know i want to hang out with these guys you know these guys work work on my car i start turning wrenches the team owner goes what the hell are you doing put that down and the police like no no i never want to see you have a wrench in your hand again and i'm like why i'm like putting a piece of body work on <laughs> like i know what i'm doing he's like no like drop the wrench come have a coffee So it's a different element, but it's, um, I mean, I enjoy it. I can build a sprint car from top to bottom now, done it three times. So, um, you know, I, I think that also, you know, your, your crew, everyone's working hard, you know, you don't really have like anyone just showing up or, yeah, I know there's some people who are buying rides, but you know, usually the people that are buying rides that are good enough are about to get hired. You know, in, in road course racing, you have people that are still buying rides and considering themselves professionals. So uh, I love, I mean, I absolutely, I, I smile day in and day out. I've never been happier than I am right now.
0: What's one thing that we do in sprint car racing that you think sports car racing could learn from? But in turn, what's one thing from sports car racing you think that we could take into sprint car racing and maybe do a little bit better?
1: Um, I think the only mistake in development as a driver from a- an asphalt point of view is not like even if you're going that direction to asphalt, I think you should race something on dirt, and you shouldn't. Ha- you don't need to necessarily do it at a high level, but you should be like ha- like I I'm developing uh, a, a road course driver Noah Ping out of uh, Georgia, and I, we even put him in the dirt school. And it and it taught him some fundamentals about you know they call it oversteer they don't call it loose you know they, he learned some fundamentals there that's you know kind of saved his saved him in a couple of times and got him out of wrecks and uh, it's made him better in the rain and stuff like that. As for road course, you gotta I tell you I don't think anyone. I, a lot of these guys think it's really cool what I'm doing, but a lot of these guys don't even want any part of it because they're just like that's awesome, but, like, I don't know, like, what you're talking to me and how the car's handling and, like, what you're dealing with. Like, that might as well be, like, going and trying to be a pro football player. Like, it's, it's such a different world. But I think dirt translates to asphalt more so, but when you don't have any dirt experience, uh, everything on asphalt kind of makes you think the wrong way. That's so a... re- to answer your question, I don't think – there's anything you could take away from road course racing the only thing i took away from road course racing is how to make my sponsors um happy and the business to business side of racing of you know everyone's like oh you know does ray hall have a ton of money or what's the deal but me and my wife my beautiful better three quarters is living in a travel trailer at a race shop but the, the sponsors are being able to Um, you know, I'm putting B2B deals together worth like freight shipping, you know, every, every little thing I can do to to raise money and bring the funding. And then when I get the check at the end of the night, um, that's going back into the program to build the program to the level that we want to be at. So, um, it's a, it's a hard working deal and it's kind of like, okay, you hustled your whole life for 10 years to become a professional road course racer. Then you said, I'm not going to do that anymore. So now you got to kind of like take that humble pie and go back to work and know that like I looked at my wife and I'm like, this is going to be like a rough deal. Like this isn't going to be easy. This, you know, I'm we're washing cars. My wife gets out there and washes cars with me. I mean, she's you want to believe it. She's, you, you, she's just she's just overly supportive and overly involved, uh, making sure that we're able to, uh, you know, chase this dream. But I don't think there's anything from road course that translates at all <laughs> to dirt racing.
0: And and speaking of which, since, you know, you mentioned this, you're obviously not a full time sprint car racer yet. Uh one thing we were talking about off the air, you still driver coach for a little bit. For my sprint car audience, what do you do as a driver coach for a road racing person? Like a synopsis of what you do for that driver.
1: Well, so the road course is different in the way that you have like data analysis and you have um Besides for data analysis, you have video. And so one of the things that I do is like SCCA runoffs. Um, I actually won last year. I I call it a win. Um, I'll be a development driver. So I'll go there and make the car as fast as possible for the other driver to then get in and drive. Just with my knowledge from being at a higher level of um, like setup work and stuff. I mean, like we were at Red America testing Thursday. And I was able to look at the data and see how many pounds of weight is loaded on each tire going through a certain corner and make an adjustment based on that, because the track always stays the same. So your, your ability, and like I have enough knowledge in regards to that, to then do that. But then also like when the other driver got in the car, I'm able to say, okay, I lift here and I lift this percent off the throttle and I do it for 2.2 seconds, and you're doing it for 2.8 seconds, but you're doing it for 2.8 seconds because you did your lift later, and you're lifting off an extra 25%, and you literally, it it, it, kind of sounds easy. You still got to go out there and do it, but it's a lot more simple when you can break everything down, and then one thing that I'm really good with, And I think I was better at this than a lot of the road course racers when it comes to coaching is talking about the track and the characteristics of, you know, um, when there's elevation changes and how you do that and uh, how you use that to your advantage. But you're also like looking at brake traces and how much brake pressure is on your initial hit, how the bleed off is, and how you're unloading the nose to set yourself up for certain kind of corners and you know, I just have so much experience in that stuff that I'm able to take drivers at at, at higher levels like I've worked with um Hunter Yennie actually who's winning the Formula 4 championship for VRD cuz they're local out of Georgia you know and I'll go in and do some stuff like that with him and then I wasn't able to proceed with that cuz I was so busy um and then basically during the week I just go and you know it's kind of like getting laps And a go-kart, you know, I'm getting them as many laps as possible. I'll lay down a data lap for them to chase, and then I'll look at video and be able to pick lines and we'll wear their lines a little off, where when they should use a curb, when they shouldn't use a curb, how much of the curb to use, how the brake release is setting up the car, why they're not able to carry the speed and they're having an oversteer that I'm not having and how I'm controlling that with my footwork or bending the car into the corner rather than turning it. And um, it's very analytical. And, you know, uh, the road course cars, in my opinion, are now in the modern era are a lot easier to drive than they were 10 to 15 years ago. So that makes coaching more technical. But also, you know, if you do your job coaching, you can make I believe that you can make pretty much any driver reach their full potential. Now, is their full potential a pro level with a future? Maybe not, but you can make them pretty
0: fast. That's an excellent description of that. I, I just got smarter listening to that. So uh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, You know, one thing I heard you mention, not to harp on the negative too much, but you, you mentioned driver rankings, which is something I was exposed to a couple of years ago. I didn't realize how that all worked. Do you think if that, that system wasn't in place and some of the other things like that, do you think you'd still be road racing or do you think you'd still probably have ended up on this path?
1: Uh... I wish I would have went sprint car racing sooner before the politics even really got to me, to be honest. Here's the thing is they opened up a can of worms with auto racing. The second that they allowed carbon brakes and traction control. And, And with carbon brakes, you could jump in a road course car tomorrow. And after the brakes are at heat you could brake as deep going into turn five at Road America as I could. Now how you exit the corner, that's you know, that takes practice, right? But also when you exit the corner, you can stand on the gas and the traction control will cut cut it out. I mean, does it completely cut out the engine? No, like you can still spin the car out if you're just completely careless. But it made it pretty easy to drive at that level. So then now you got all these manufacturers getting involved and then you got different weights and all these different manufacturers that are, you know, they're designed off of a street car, even though they're a proper built race car, the weight distribution is different, but everyone's on the same constant tire. So now you have a, you put IMSA in a situation where now like the Ferraris were the strongest cars for a long time. So what do the Ferraris got to do? They got to take away horsepower from the Ferrari or they got to add weight to the ferrari so what happens when that happens then you get smart so now you're going out and your bop is good but you're not allowed to push and practice and there's some races that you got to give up because like you know it, it sucks like you got a daytona and, and you know if you run really good at daytona you're going to get a weight penalty going in to sebring where weights your enemy and if you're in like the Lexus like our tire deck was bad at Sebring in 18 I think they sh- figured some stuff out now because I see Jack Hawksworth and Aaron are running really good for Vassar right now um but the tire wear is really bad so it's like we're going to the practice and I'm and this was with a different team that's running the operation than now but like we go into the practice and it was like my second lap in the car and they're like pit 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 and I'm like okay like i don't know what's going on every everything on the dash is fine like you know so-and-so hops over the wall and says hey we can only go this lap time under testing and i'm like it's my first time in the car and i'm like well how am i supposed to push the car to the level that i need to push it to and get everything out of the car and then figure out how to back it up when i haven't had that opportunity yet but now you're playing a game where you don't want to show your cards and that's not fun that's not racing, you know, like, I, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from road course racers. Um, they're frustrated with it too. They hate it too. They wish it would go away, but it's unfortunately what the times and technology has kind of done to the sport a little bit. Um, so that's a one of politics. It, it's not that IMSA is like picking for Ferrari to win this race or Porsche to win this race it's literally just they're constantly under the gun to try to get things right and get the cars as even as possible but how are you going to get the cars as even as possible when everyone's playing games mm-hmm. driver rating wise um, I got moved to gold when I was 18 and then my Indy lights deal, my full season deal that ends up at Alicio was going to put me in, felt through. I then couldn't be the long race driver for a team. That was a backup plan because I was gold at such a young age because it was so fast. And then I went to Europe in LMP three, and it's more of a silver based series in that class. And the first year I was with a new team to the series and there they still left me gold in 16. Then they moved me down to silver. So being a gold, I was only allowed to drive an hour. At Being a silver, I was allowed to drive two hours of the race. But you're paired with the bronze, which is the lowest driver rating. So if you're a gold, then your bronze has to do three hours, and you can only get to do one hour. But the difference in speeds from a silver to a bronze are pretty much no different. or Not a silver to a bronze. A silver to a gold are pretty much no different. So then you're kind of like shoot i don't like i love finishing races but i don't want to finish this race because what if i get moved to gold next year and you're under the gun for when those driver ratings come out you know like man if i like when you're on that bubble of like you're not like a factory driver yet or you're driving for a manufacturer but you're jumping in all these different kinds of prototypes and stuff and it's very um you know like i couldn't do a deal that i was going to do this year which i'm glad i didn't now with how the sponsorship worked out and us getting, you know, rookie of the year and, and where we're going to a full-time basis in the sprint cars. But like, you know, that, that it, it adjusts your livelihood. Cause like you could be coaching a guy and then you could be too busy to coach him because you're in a ride. And then all of a sudden the next year, you're out of a ride, but you had to give that guy a different coach. And now you don't have any mo- way to make money on that weekend. So you can go from making $250,000 a year to making 50 grand a year in the matter of a decision by the fia
0: that's pretty crazy i can see where that by the way you're probably going to be the only gold driver rated guest on this podcast ever so just my eye
1: well i think larson will be a gold he (laughs) won daytona that one time yeah he
0: might be i wonder he he should be a freaking platinum (laughs) He's a man. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where. I wonder if he even has a ranking. I will have to look at now. I don't think he has a license right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, you could say, go on FIA. Uh,
0: he still. He'll, he'll still be on the FIA website of what they got him. I to see what his ranking is so. But you alluded to 2021. It sounds like you have some big plans in the air. Why don't you tell us about what you might have lined up for next year?
1: So, um, our plan is, is this year, obviously COVID, I picked the wrong time to try to go full-time sprint car racing. we I mean, we're as full-time as full-time really gets for COVID, I guess. Um, but, um, we, so we were trying to get as many races in as possible. And so that's why we're going to run USCS in the winter. Um, we're going to do 10 races down here in October and November, just to kind of keep me on the development curve. And then at the beginning of next year, we're going to start out in Florida because it's nice. Because Randy shops out of Wisconsin in the Midwest, obviously, but my dad doesn't have a race shop necessarily, but he owns a fire and water insurance restoration company, which allows us to have shop space to use in Georgia. So we'll base it out of Georgia in the winter, try to run 20, 25 races, maybe some speed week stuff. Um, well, we're definitely doing Speed Weeks, but we're um, we're kind of under the gun because I think we want to run All-Stars in 2022. And we want to go for Rookie of the Year in All-Stars. So I don't know how many races we're going to be able to do outside of the IRA All-Star races. So that's kind of what we're looking at um, in order to still go for Rookie. But we want to do 25 races um, before the IRA season kicks off. Then we're going to be full-time IRA again, and um, we're going to pick up every – got an ASCS 360 motor now, and we're going to try to focus heavily on, like, Friday shows at Knoxville and um, running the 360, like, in the Midwest where, like, we want to go to some of the – not the easier shows, but, you know, not ASCS national stuff for confidence-inspiring, you know, results. Uh, along with the uh, tough competition IRA, because I, I guess with COVID this year, I think this is one of the toughest years in IRA because all the out-of-towners that don't have anywhere to race are coming in. You know, so instead of so having, you know, I think realistically, and there was, you know, 10 good guys in, in past years in that series, now you're you're at 15 to 16 most of the time. You know, with these guys traveling in so frequently, um, so we're gonna run IRA full time, then finish off the season um, season and with USCS. And I mean, next year we're just going to every race we can possibly add to the schedule. So our goal is to get 90 races in next year. And I think if I can do that, because um, like this past week when we were able to run, uh, shit, we ran four four races two weeks ago. In three nights, because we doubled up in the 360 and the 410 at Cedar Lake, um it's really hard to get. It, it helps when you do a one race weekend, but it doesn't help as much as when you get to do three races in a weekend. When you're at the learning curve that I'm at, like I just need to be like racing all the time. And it's not like you can just go test like you could in a road course car because the track's not prepped and if the track is kind of prepped, it's not going the same direction. You're not really learning much, you know. You're just putting time on your equipment, like, and that's the hardest thing. That like, it was trying to explain that to my dad. I was like, "Man, we he's like, why don't you go test?" And I'm like, you, "You can't, you know. The, the testing does nothing because the track's not prepped." So uh, our plans for next year, we got a, we got a couple new partners coming on board. Um, really thankful for Big Golf. Stepping up this year in Big Machine Vodka, Able Roofing, um, they've been great. And uh, SU Group and then Star Pharmaceuticals recently came on board. And uh, we got a couple more coming on board for next year to turn into kind of a full-time operation and uh, kind of eat, breeze sleep, sprint car racing. And um, still have a couple drivers that I'm going to focus on development. And I'll do that during the week um they're pretty good about that like they'll we're working on the schedule as soon as it comes out so we can make sure i'm able to help um with the development and amp and and with my drivers kind of around my sprint car schedule and what that's going to be
0: one last question the five-year plan for your sprint car career where would you like to see yourself in five years
1: um five-year plan i mean i, I i'm not gonna lie to you you know i think Uh, World of Outlaw is where me and Randy see ourselves going in five years. Um, How we get there and logistically when it makes sense, how to make sense of it. Um, This is the purest form. Like my wife asked me the other day, um, you know, like, would you go back and do like the Indy 500? Like I would do one race, you know, I do an Indy 500 or something like that, but like I, I, I think I want to be at the top level of sprint car racing, which obviously is world of outlaws more than I've ever wanted to go to IndyCar or NASCAR or Lamar or be a factory ride. Um, that's, that's without a doubt. Um, and how I'm going to get there, you know, I, I take it day in and day out um, and just roll with the punches when it's bad. And then uh, try to use all the confidence that's inspired by the good that we do just to keep my head there, but, uh, I will be on with, if I hope to be on the world of outlaw tour in five years, but if not, I'll be there year six, you know, like I, I, I do want to make a, I never had a proper chance because I jumped around and jostled around and ride so much to really develop myself the right way. I mean, I always perform, but I never had time. You know, to say, all right, I'm going to do this. Like, like you know, yeah, we have the budget if we're doing 90 races to obviously go run All-Star next year. But I don't think we're ready to succeed at All-Star level. So we're trying to be smart in how the progression works because I've never had that opportunity in my life because it's always been, you know, we don't we didn't have enough money. You know, like, so I was taking whatever paid ride I could get you know, and um, now that we are able to put the funds together and our partners are strong, we want to make sure that we're performing well at the place we are before our partners have to step up for the next level.
0: And, of course, you have a busy weekend this weekend because you'll be at Dodge County and Plymouth, so a big weekend with the IRA. So, it be good to see you out there and uh, uh, finish off the IRA season.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think this weekend was the official, I, I wouldn't have to show up to get Rookie of the Year. So, uh, very thankful for HRP and, and Sage Fruit for all the extra things that they put in for Rookie of the Year. And uh, thankful for Randy Sipple, Bob Riker, uh, Chuffy, uh, the Beckers, everyone who's uh, who's put everything into uh, this year. As well as all my partners that I mentioned earlier. You know, they're, they took a big chance. You know, like a lot of these guys were, uh, you know, I was like, ah, can you can you help me a little bit with this? Or can I work a little bit extra on coaching to make this deal happen? Or, you know, and, and then from there, I was able to take these deals that were in place and, and put B2B deals and be able to generate money for them. And, yeah, they're getting exposure. But let's face it, sponsorship's kind of a thing of the past. I think everything's partnerships now. Um, I was fortunate. It it all worked out for everyone, but everyone was trying to help Sean Rahal this year, you know, and uh, I'm really, really grateful to come away with rookie of the year. My uh, first, Full year running a sprint
0: car series that but you only have one chance to win it so you managed to do that yeah well sean it was great to sit down with you here tonight i look forward to seeing what your progression looks like and it's uh just neat to see the passion and the excitement you bring you know that you have for the sport and uh hopefully that doesn't diminish during the tough times so you still have that enthusiasm as you continue to improve
1: yeah, everyone Everyone used to, you know, say how serious I was at the road course track. And uh, I don't think I've laughed and had so much fun. And I think I'm pretty much a smiling guy these days. And I know, you know, don't get me wrong, it, it, me and Randy were talking the other day. He's like, man, I can tell you this. Like, you think we're serious now? Well, when you start winning, you know, like, we're just working harder. And I was like, well, that's, that's what I'm about. But let's smile while we're doing it because uh, we're pretty blessed to – be able to be race car drivers and a race team and involved with this great sport of sprint car racing and this legacy for a living
0: all right sean i appreciate it best of luck this weekend and hopefully we'll see you down the road somewhere
1: all right looking forward to it